Come to downtown Scranton just to see the big parade. It's the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day. Bring the wife and kiddies and your aunts and uncles too. The Iram Temple Shriners will put on a show for you. The 28th Division has their military band. Our friends, the Pen York Highlanders, will also be on hand. Of course, you're going to see your favorite local high school band on the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day in downtown Scranton. On the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> you like that? Do we have to talk like we're in the 30s? <laughs> All right, hold on a second. <clears throat> That's what she said. Episode 90, St. Patrick's Day. Wow, that is really hard. You really think you can go all day long? Well, you always left me satisfied and smiling, so... That's what she said! <laughs> Suicide doors on my 57 Chevy Roll around town like a hero I got you on my mind Just like all the time And welcome to episode 90 of That's What She Said, a podcast about the Emmy Award-winning NBC show, The Office. As always, I'm your Human Resources Coordinator, Matt Summer, and this week we're going to be taking an in-depth and spoiler-filled look at the 18th episode of season 6, entitled St. Patrick's Day, which originally aired Thursday, March 11th, 2010. Well, sure and be gore, just a wear another green at Dunder Mifflin, a division of Sabre, don't you know? And Michael's taken quite a shine to a very special lass, his new boss, Joe. Should he be booking those plane tickets to Florida now? Or will a new chain of events change his outlook on life? Meanwhile, when Jim's away, that Dwight will play. With Megadesk, that is. What sorts of shenanigans will he get up to to keep his precious? Finally... Andy goes on his first date with Erin, but a third wheel always leads to awkward times. One thing's for sure, though, Kevin. Make sure you listen to this episode of That's What She Said. It's nature's Viagra. <laughs> lots to discuss, lots to talk about. Let's head on over to the water cooler. It's a real shame, because studies have shown that more information gets passed through water cooler gossip than through official memos, which puts me at a disadvantage, because I bring my own water to work. Why'd you do this? I didn't do it. Oh, the water cooler was brought over here for maintenance. So what do you guys hear? What's the scuttlebutt? Uh, joining me at the green-tinted water cooler this week is our dear friend, the assistant to the regional manager, the... Uh, <laughs> The Todd Packer in my life, Kevin Crossman. Kevin, how you doing? Top of the morning to you, Matt. That was an awesome introduction. I'm <laughs> not worthy, that is for sure. And, you know, Matt, i got to say, you are on a hot streak with the That's What She Said podcast. I mean, especially after last week's exclusive interview with Jenna Fisher. Really insightful. Yeah, I can't believe that we got her, man. That, uh, that Our episode four, the delivery, was just uh it was amazing, Kevin, and I don't think we can ever top it, but uh, we're going to have to give it a shot and try to do our best. <sighs> well, it is a very special time here in Scranton, the the famous St. Patrick's Day episode we've all been looking forward to because, of course, as you noted there, Scranton has this amazing 
uh, tradition with their St. Patrick's Day parade. Um, too bad they didn't show the parade in the episode, but that being said, it was such a great episode to finally get to St. Patrick's Day. And, of course, you made mention of him, the favorite returning son of That's What She Said, Todd Packer. Yes, you're right. And, Kevin, before I get into that, in case anyone's really freaking out or, or wondering what the hell happened with their iTunes, no, we we did not record an episode for the delivery. Uh, if you looked at the blog page or you follow my Twitter feed, you know that I kind of had a little bit of a, I don't know, personal meltdown or something, uh, just burnout uh, these last couple of weeks, and I'm... I'm right in the middle of a lot of stuff, you know, obviously work and everything else. That's always, you know, stress-free. But uh, I've been looking for a house these last couple of weeks, and it's just, uh, I don't know, something had to give. So, unfortunately, the delivery was what had to give. Now, uh, we're planning to come back to that at some point and, and do an episode. Um, some people were asking me, oh, did you know, did, did you hate it so much that it made you quit doing the podcast? I actually, you know, I actually quite enjoyed the delivery, despite my year-long reticence to this whole baby plot line. I, uh, mm-hmm. The first half, written by Daniel Chun, I think was a lot funnier, a lot tighter than the uh, kind of predictable, sort of sappy second half. But uh, still, all told, it was a fairly decent episode. And, um, well, I don't know, you want to throw in your thoughts there before we move on? Well, sure. And first of all, I threw you for a loop because I wanted to watch the Oscars with Steve Carell and a bunch of other people. So that screwed up our regular Sunday night recording. But, you know, I also really liked the delivery a lot, probably a little bit more than you did. Um, the baby stuff worked for me a lot more. I think it maybe did for you, uh, you know, as a former parent or as a, as a, parent, yeah, as a former say. parent. Wait, what happened to your children? He's <laughs> <laughs> that Kelly line. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, we'll get to the delivery at some point, but especially here with this this St. Patrick's Day episode, timing-wise, the way the calendar flies, uh, it's certainly better for us to put this out this week in time right. for the holiday. And as we are recording this, it is, of course, the Ides of March, just two mere days before the actual holiday. And let's get back to what you said in the introduction. You're right. I mean, this is one of the things that we've kind of been speculating on for at least three years. Um, they've gone through and done just about every holiday on the calendar. Uh, this St. Patrick's Day seems like an ideal holiday, especially, as you said, since Scranton, the city, has uh, a very huge tradition of a big St. Patrick's Day parade. And um, it's, been, it's been brought up before, and when I was at the convention, it was asked, and the, the kind of response back in those days was that March used to be the hiatus period, and so they always said, well, no, we can never do it. We can never do any location shooting. We can't do any of this stuff. And, and then they wouldn't air it, you know, before March, or they wouldn't air it after March. So it didn't seem like we were ever going to get it, but here we go. Uh, some change in the sweeps schedule, I guess. And, and uh, here we finally have our St. Patrick's Day episode. A little bit of background on uh, the parade, and this comes from the uh, official Scranton St. Patrick's Day Association uh, website. This is the the St. Patrick's Day Parade in Scranton boasts 12,000 participants, including multiple bagpipe high school and string bands. The parade is enhanced by many floats and large balloons. Many Irish groups and societies are also represented. It's been going on annually since 1862 and is organized by the St. Patrick's Day 
Parade Association of Lackawanna County and is now the nation's fourth largest in attendance and second largest in per capita attendance. In 2008, the crowds were estimated as high as 150,000 people who congregated downtown for the event. So, big history here. Now, Kevin, you were telling me something that I did not know. You know, I was kind of disappointed that there was no actual footage from the parade. So, what happened with this? Well, originally, this episode was scheduled to air on Thursday, uh, March 18th. And what they had planned to do was to go and either get some stock footage from this year's event or maybe to fly Creed or somebody out there to make a, an appearance of some sort and then be able to integrate that footage right into the episode the next day. Unfortunately, NBC changed their mind about sweeps and everything else and they wanted the one-hour delivery episode rather than spread over two weeks. And so then basically that pulled this uh, episode back a week so thus they couldn't film anything at the parade that hasn't happened yet. Well, that's... It's a little, you know, it's, it's quite a shame, actually. That would have been really cool to see some location shooting. They really haven't had any of that in quite a while. So uh, it would have been kind of fun, kind of interesting. Um, I, I guess they could have just used stock footage from last year. But <laughs> I suppose it wouldn't have been up to that same high uh, HD standard quality that we would come to expect from the show. But a disappointment, but alas. At least Michael does mention the fact in a, in a throwaway line that it's such a big deal here in Scranton, so uh, here we are, In I guess we're not going to ever have another one, uh, but who knows. Maybe they could have secret St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> the secret shamrock or something, <laughs> okay. Um, I want to talk about this because, again, I'm, you know, I'm usually Mr. Grouch, Kevin, uh, these past three years. I know that might come as a shock to some of you out there that um, <gasps> I have a little bit of a, a grumpy uh, reaction to some of these episodes sometimes. But um, I'm kind of surprised because I actually saw a couple people post on the blog page they just that they thought this was horrible. That it was a terrible episode, and um, I thought it was pretty hilarious. I really enjoyed this episode. And there's a couple of things I can nitpick in here, but I really enjoyed it quite a lot. And I think um, the biggest reason for why I enjoyed it, Kevin, is the uh, the writing credit. Now I don't know if you uh, if you looked at this or not, but this episode was written by uh, Jonathan Hughes, who has written. The, the last three webisode series before The Mentor, Subtle Sexuality, Blackmail, and The Outburst. And you and I enjoyed all of those quite yep. a bit. Um, and we had speculated on, you know, when were we going to see these guys actually get themselves a real episode. And, uh, and here it was, and I thought two really great results. And especially as you said, Kevin, how many years... How many years have we been talking about where the hell is Todd Packer? And here we finally have Todd Packer, our old friend David Keckner, reprising his role. Uh, as far as I can remember, has not been seen since season three. So it uh, nice to see him back in action again. Although it does beggar the question, uh, is he still working for this company? I mean, what is, where does he fit into this new org chart? Yeah, exactly. And I think that that was the whole point is that they needed somebody in this episode to be out of the office that would be drawing Michael to want to get out of there besides just the regular St. Patrick's Day funding for Volley. So it was a perfect choice to bring Todd Packer into the fold. Obviously, he's a guy who's ready to party at any point. So, you know, get goading Michael along like, come on, queer, let's go. So it was great. I, I really loved this character. And 
you know, it's the funny, this episode, I agree with you, I really liked it a lot. On second viewing, it didn't maybe strike me as, as having so many laugh-out-loud moments, but I think it, this is kind of similar to maybe Cafe Disco from last year, where it was just a fun time, it was very pleasant, there wasn't a lot of heavy thinking going on in this episode, um, but very, uh, you know, very happy to be with these characters in all the different plot lines that were here. Uh, there's something to smile about for every character. You know, Michael got his redemption. Uh, of course, the office staff got to have a great uh, St. Patrick's Day celebration. And then we had some good stuff with Jim and Dwight. And, of course, the great payoff there with Andy and Aaron as well. <laughs> Although, again, sort of a little bit of a weird setup to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, well, I, I hope at least you're satisfied that we can move on past your... <laughs> Your constant harping on the Aaron-Andy relationship, although a kiss on the cheek is uh, still a little bit disappointing, I suppose. But, you know, I wanna, I understand what you mean by saying that it's sort of like Cafe Disco, but I'm just going to say that I, you know, the standard line, Kevin, that I hear what you're saying, but I think you're totally wrong. To me, Cafe Disco is just nothing. It's just nothing there. There's no plot. It makes no sense. The only point of it is just to have a good time with the cast. And I think... If you want to look at an episode from this year that was more like that, I think the wedding episode, uh, especially the second half, was much more along those lines. This was full of plot, and this had a lot of stuff going on here. We have, um, you know, the last, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, the last appearance of Joe uh, on the show. We have um, Michael in a crisis going back and forth and, and actually kind of becoming, the, you know, being the hero at the end of the episode, kind of standing up to this person. And uh -huh. he's a little smarter, I think, this episode than he could be played. Um, he, You know, he kind of wises up and catches on. Uh, in, in, right. a, in a worse script, I think that he would have just kept blundering along and being stupider and stupider. So uh, that was a good point. We also have some kind of weird things. I don't know what I think about this stuff so far. I mean, are we going to have Daryl up in the office now every week? Because I don't want to see Daryl up in the office every week. That was a good little twist, I have to admit, that that was uh, something I hadn't really expected. Um, I could see the interplay with him and Michael uh, that you got a little hint of in this episode kind of being a you know, something they could incorporate in future episodes. I don't know. I, I'm sort of on the fence. It, it could tire itself out, play itself out pretty quickly, but I guess, you know, it's always uh, easy to throw Daryl back downstairs. <laughs> well, I hope that we get that actually very soon. You're right. I, I mean, I liked that moment when the two of them kind of nodded to each other across the hall. That was that was an mm -hmm. interesting moment that we hadn't seen before with the the dynamic that they have but I we I've said this many times for me a little Daryl goes a long way and <laughs> I I don't want him being up there you know every episode now um it'd be just a little too much and maybe maybe they did it as a favor I wonder if they just you know the guys like hey yeah my hot tub time machine movie's coming out this week and you can you pump me up but give me give me a bigger role in the episode uh, <laughs> I don't I don't know I it, it's I guess I'll see where it goes, but I would not be disappointed at all if next week uh, he's not there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but still, I mean, that was kind of interesting. The Andy and Aaron stuff, yeah, really kind of creepy. That the uh, weird foster brother guy, um, you know, it's kind of weird to me a little bit about Aaron. How it's almost like they threw, uh, they kind of threw this 
cheap line out there about her being an orphan. I don't know how many episodes ago, and and then they're actually right. now taking it very seriously and playing out all these uh, all these things. So it's kind of weird. Um, but she was in the hospital for yeah, from age three to six. Three to six. <laughs> <laughs> God only knows. Maybe that explains <laughs> so much about her brain well, damage. I'm um, looking at the directing credits here. This is Randall Einhorn, who's been a cinematographer on 38 episodes of The Office and directed 11. And as I'm looking here, the past credits include Cafe Disco. So <laughs> well, maybe there are some similarities that I have noticed. Oh, oh, he was oh, asking about the directing. So that's, oh, okay. I'm going to sit as a... <laughs> He also directed Golden Ticket, Secret Santa, and The Meeting, among All others. Right. Well, you know, that's uh, the thing about this a little bit is, you know, we were uh, we were kind of talking about what was going to happen with this season, and um, I, I made some kind of cheap comment about how, you know, that early episode that Dwight wouldn't get up and all that kind of stuff, and she sort of looked at him and was like, uh-huh. And, uh, and I kind of threw out there that, yeah, maybe she and Dwight are going to hook up or something. That's right. And then you sent me an email a couple days later going, oh, I think you picked it. Because <laughs> it had a little description like, you know, Joe takes a shine to someone in the office. Uh, right. I guess now we know, of course, it was Daryl. But I, I, I felt yes. pretty good about myself there for a little while prognosticating <laughs> what there was going to happen. But uh, 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 I guess we're both, we're both failures at the uh, office crystal ball. Kevin. Now, um, the other thing before we get into this, though, like so the the Jim and Dwight plot line, um, the some of it was a little bit ridiculous, a little bit re- over the top. Um, Dwight sitting there, leaning back in his chair, throwing his arms back, going mega desk. I mean, that was really ridiculous. But the whole, I, th- I thought the rest of it was actually pretty well done. I mean, it was a, it, it uh, I, I felt a really sense of nostalgia when Jim came in there and just started like shoving Dwight's stuff on the floor <laughs> and uh, you know pulling his desk back out. Now, um, I, I think, I think Jim's revenge on Dwight, I think it was a little convoluted. Um, it, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to me, and I, I think it was kind of, you know, it wasn't really as funny, maybe, or as clever as it could have been. Um, you know, this whole thing, well, we never go to meetings, you know, we never go to meetings. And somehow then Dwight, like, bamboozled that he can't go to a meeting or something. It just, right, right. it didn't really work for me. Um, the capper, you know, the end, <laughs> after the return from the credits, I don't know, some people had uh, a mixed reaction to quad desk but uh, i don't know what what did you think about that plot line i thought quad desk was okay not the greatest cap that we've ever heard but i have to tell you when he pulled out the cats in the cradle that was probably the <laughs> best laugh out loud moment in this episode yeah and the old nard dog the cats in the cradle yeah that was a good moment so that was that was pretty funny actually that was the best plan that dwight's ever had so um, beats the hell out of any stupid diabolical scheming that we had. So I, I enjoyed it. So I, I really actually did enjoy this episode, as did you, it sounds like. And we already went through the credits. Um, so let's just go ahead and get into the Michael plot line here. I've got three different plot lines kind of broken down, as we said. The Michael plot line, the Dwight and Jim plot line there, and then the Andy and, uh, and Aaron plot line. So let's go ahead and dive in. Well, uh, like you said, it's St. Patrick's Day, and Michael is just ready and raring to go on this glorious Wednesday. Top of the morning to ya! <laughs> Woohoo! 
Green M&M's. Nature's Viagra. Two of my favorite joke areas combined. It's going to be a good day. I don't want to bring my friends. Why can't it just be the two of because us? Because it's St. Patrick's Day. People go out in groups. Well, why don't you invite your friends? Why are you being so weird about this? Stop fighting. Just on St. Patrick's Day, okay? Just one perfect day a year. No hassles. No problems. No kids. Why no kids? Yeah, where are your kids? Nope. Uh-uh. Not today! It is St. Patrick's Day. And here in Scranton, that is a huge deal. It is the closest that the Irish will ever get to Christmas. <laughs> oh, Michael. <laughs> There's a lot of good business in there. We start off, you know, Aaron's like... <laughs> manually sorting the green M&M's out of a giant bag of regular M&M's. Uh, Michael's line, of course, Nature's Viagra is hilarious, and the look on her face is quite disgusted. <laughs> well, she's she's too young to understand the joke. That's a joke from when I was growing up, the green M&M's. <laughs> well, he grabs basically the whole thing, the whole bowl, uh, and stuffs them in his pocket, and then stuff with Meredith, and stuff with Ryan. You know, get your friends to come out with us. Ah, uh, classic, classic line. And of course, then Meredith here, being the drunkard that she is, just wants one, one glorious, peaceful St. Patrick's Day. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot of people of Irish descent out in the East Coast area, so I could see she must come from a long tradition of Irish folk. Well, uh, yes, of course, is, that's, that's is, her last name. You know, of course, the actress, very Irish. Right, well, Palmer is not, but anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, uh, this is like Christmas for Meredith, I think. <laughs> exactly, and, and uh, we can only speculate where those kids have gone. Um, so, I mean, there's a thing. Michael's in a very good mood. Joe, our, our old dear friend Joe, comes into the office again with those damn dogs, with Gabe in tow. And, uh, you know, Michael is in a very good mood, and, uh, you know, she comes in, is just very nice, and says a lot of these charming southern things to him, and Michael is just swept up here in her charm, um, you know, and just wants to stop in and have a little chat. Good morning, sweetheart. Good morning, honey pile. I'm sorry, but is that a gift I see in your hands? It is. This is a little something for you to remember your time here in Scranton Park. Is that a lump of coal? Yes, it is. Uh, buildings here in Scranton are literally powered by coal. Thank you. And we don't get much coal down in Tallahassee. I mean, just alligators and some of the worst Chinese food you've ever tasted. Mm, that sounds great, actually. Well, if you ever get down in my neck of the woods, you've got a place to stay. When you work for Sabre, only one thing matters. And I don't care if you're a loser or you practice bestiality. If Joe likes you, you are in. And I... I'm in. Uh, I can only wonder where Michael came up with that list of uh, <laughs> things there. Uh, perhaps better left unsaid. Uh, so, I mean, there's the setup for this whole thing, the whole Michael plotline, this idea that he's too dumb to understand the fact that people say things that they don't necessarily mean. And there's actually a very, you know, uh, one of the deleted scene clips with Oscar trying to explain this concept to Michael, but uh, you know right. Michael doesn't quite understand it. Well, you, you'd think that Michael, of all people, would understand that the Southern people have a certain way of saying things. I do declare, <laughs> and yeah, I, I, this this is the dynamic that I actually really like about the fact that uh, Kathy Bates is here. Is that she she plays this character so well? She's done it in 
three or four different movies at least. <laughs> and the, the, the clash of cultures really does work for me here. Uh, the way that she goes around saying these things that she presumably doesn't mean and Michael's too stupid to believe them, that's not... I mean, it's far-fetched. It's stretched, obviously, for effect here. But a lot of what she said, it's hard to tell whether she's really joking or just making a little thing or if she's truly bringing him in as a manager of the company and all that other stuff. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I, the fact that there was this dynamic, I think, it has worked well. I'm not sad to necessarily see her go. I think she is slated, I'm sorry to tell you, for another episode or two towards the end of the season. But ah. anyway. <laughs> well, that's okay. I mean, I, she's not horrible. I just, I, I don't, I guess I'm not as much into that whole uh contrasting relationship as as you are and i think that they actually we're, we're going to play the clip in a second and we can, i'll talk about it a little bit later i actually didn't really believe the shift that takes place here that's coming up um one of the things you know i just want to talk about this a little bit here in that gap here between our clips that we're going to have like i said they have a town hall meeting um and here's where we get daryl kind of presents this great idea to her um, about this shipping schedule and this and that. And so she actually gives him Jim's old office, you know, much to Gabe's chagrin, but he's such a, (laughs) such a lackey that he just, yeah, I just, okay, well, let me clear my stuff out. Um, And, and so (laughs) just like, He's like going to Amsterdam seven times a year. <laughs> yeah, poor, poor Gabe. We'll get into that clip in a, in a little while. It's, it's pretty pathetic. Um, as Michael said, very, very depressing. But uh, so that's the thing, you know. Daryl, uh, Daryl gets promoted kind of uh, to the upper floor. Michael is kind of playing the father to Joe's mother at this meeting here. This oh, we'll put that up on the refrigerator, right? Um, and introducing everyone. Uh, as he's always seems to do. Uh, so, you know, things are going really well. And basically she invited him to this, uh, you know, to her home to have some of that horrible Chinese food. And he is just so excited, totally buying into this, that she wants to be his best friend. He feels great. You know, he's looking out for his career. And like you said, you know, you get in with Joe, you're just, you're set. So he's on that fast track. Now, unfortunately he oversteps things just a bit too far, and in his excitement, well, he really brings himself down to a tragic fall. Florida ain't that far away. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm heading down there. Well, any time now. So oh, about July 4th weekend. Oh, honey, you didn't buy a ticket. I did. Oh, <laughs> honey, I am not uh, home very often, and uh, you know my relatives, they take up the guest house. I think you should check with my office before you... Book any dates, okay? You know what? In the spirit of full disclosure, I have actually reserved a bunch of different seats on a bunch of different flights, but there are a couple flights that only have two tickets left, so I think we should pull the trigger. Enough! All right, everybody, just try to put a brave face on. Let's follow the chain of events. (laughs) Joe likes Michael. Joe invites Michael to house. Joe doesn't like Michael anymore. Hmm... So that's what I was talking about. I I just did not buy that all of a sudden shift into her yelling at him. It seemed like well within her character that she would have just been, you know, oh, well, Michael, we'll talk about this later or something like that and just kind of brushed it aside. It seemed really weird to me. And I don't know, maybe you had a different take on that. 
I did completely. I, I just re-listening to that. It, it is a slow build-up. She first she kind of puts him off a little bit, and then she sort of hems and haws. Obviously upset about something, except to Michael maybe, and then you know saying, oh, but I don't know about the room. You should check with my person. That's code for no. You're going the wrong direction. Michael keeps going. Finally, she blows her top in the most obvious way, so that Michael, in his little pea-sized brain, will actually understand. <laughs> so. I told I that worked for me. It just it didn't seem that big of a build to me. I mean, it just seems very easily that it could have been brushed off in uh, in a much more polite way uh, and pushed off to later on. But of course, as you said, I think that's a case where the plot sort of dictates that there has to be some kind of a turn in the relationship there. So I guess that's a shorthand way to kind of get that turn you bought it i didn't really like it so much but whatever let's just move on michael there very upset let's follow the chain of events as he said Mm -hmm. um he's baffled you know what did he do why you know she liked me earlier now she hates me um you laughed at that line of course it's a great line is after he gets yelled at it's like dead silence for a few seconds he's like okay everyone let's keep a brave face you know (laughs) Uh, poor, poor Michael. His uh, his best friend here uh, has let him down. So Michael thought at the beginning of the day he was the golden boy, but apparently Daryl is the one who's got the key to Joe's heart, and that just leads Michael to go and talk to the D-man. Very nice. Not bad, huh? Real hoop dream story you got there. Oh man, you seem to have caught Joe's eye. How'd you make that happen? I impressed her with my good ideas. <laughs> Seriously, how did you do it? I made a suggestion at the meeting that was good. You were there. How do I put this delicately? Does her family owe your family something in terms of a past injustice? <laughs> now, Mike, I have to ask you to leave so that I can learn about this tiny television. Mm, okay. All right. So again, right there, Michael's smart enough to know that he's being had. It does take a few seconds for it to sink in, but uh, he he doesn't know that Daryl's messing with him at the end. I love that line. I'm going to put this delicately. (laughs) (laughs) Does her family owe your family? Yeah, so again, very clueless. You know, Michael's the kind of guy that it's not about doing something well. It's just about impressions and looks and and, uh, some kind of grand gesture there, so he still doesn't quite buy Daryl's explanation. Yeah, he didn't. He would wanted Daryl to admit that he had played the race card, but Daryl <laughs> didn't. He used his brain card because he had a good idea. Exactly. And I think that I think, and I think that that's the thing I really like about the Daryl character is he, he is often wise, um, but like you were saying, maybe in that little bit of advice that is straightforward and makes sense, as opposed to building a whole plot around him. <laughs> So, like I said, we'll we'll have to see what the future holds. Yeah, as, as Michael said when he introduced them to Joe, you know, oh, smart for the warehouse. That is our, our Daryl. Kind of skipping a lot of stuff in the plot here without any clips. We're going to kind of catch up. Uh, so, Michael, you know, he's baffled by this whole thing. He goes in at 5 o'clock, you know, talks to Joe, says, well, I'm out of here. She guilt trips him into staying. Did you get everything you could out of this day and stamp your name on it and blah, blah, blah. And so Michael, again, he's smart enough to realize that he's got, you know, kind of getting the screws put to him. So he, he turns back around, takes his coat off, uh, convinces, you know, forces everyone else to stay. 
because she's going to stay. Um, and I wonder, I don't know, maybe would a smarter guy have just said, okay, well, I'll see you later uh, at five. I guess maybe he did feel guilty because one of the other things this episode, she was kind of riding him on not doing any work. You know, how many times do I got to knock on the wall to get you to do some work around here? Right, uh, right. And some stuff like that. So, okay, I guess he, he felt bad enough uh, that he had to do something. And so they end up just staying and um, everyone's miserable. Of course, everyone has their plans and everyone is set to go out and leave it to Kevin to really hit the nail on the head. Just because Joe has no life does not mean that the rest of us don't have lives. Oscar has a life. I think Ryan has a life. (laughs) This is outrageous. Oh, you don't become the most powerful woman in Tallahassee by slacking off. (laughs) You do it by working hard. Or marrying rich. I did both. Hey, Pac-Man. Hey, what's up, butt plug? How you doing, stud? You already there? Dude, I've been here since three. I've booed and rallied twice. How's the lady situation? Fat and ugly. You might actually have a chance. (laughs) That sounds great. Unfortunately, I am stuck here because my boss is making us work late. Oh, here's what you do. I give you a skirt and pull your tampon, borrow some balls and come meet me. Yeah, maybe next year. Maybe next year. <laughs> hey, ladies, you want some bangers and mash? Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Michael. Yeah, it's... Man, it's been so long since we had a good Packers scene. A little offensive, of course, but that's the Todd <laughs> Packer style. <laughs> you know, hey, butt yep. plug. It was a good setup there with you, like you were saying with Kevin. Always, we have, or some of us have lives. Yeah. He didn't include himself. I, I, in I think list. Ryan has a life. <laughs> Again, this was, you know, if he was there since three o'clock, either he's unemployed due to the Dunder Mifflin demise, or he's uh, slacking from work. It's hard to tell. It could. Either one could be possibility there. Yeah, we've never quite understood what he actually does. I mean, he's sort of, you know, the traveling salesman, I guess, but what office is he out of, where does he report to, all that kind of stuff. No idea. So as you said, you know, is he there, is he not there, is he at a different job, who knows. I'm just glad to see the Pac-Man back in action again, and hopefully it won't be another three years before he rears his head. Yep, I still think if Steve Carell doesn't sign up for an eighth season that uh, they could put Packer in there as the boss, and that would be a good dynamic. Oh, man, no way. They'd have to tone him way down for him to actually be able to (laughs) support uh, the entire show. But uh, a discussion for another day, I guess. Well, that's just it. Now, Michael, you know, it's getting really late at night, Michael is getting very frustrated with all this stuff. I'm assuming that he's just not doing anything. He's just sitting in his office. Uh, But maybe he's working. Who knows? But, you know, he finally can't take it anymore, and he confronts Gabe to get to the bottom of this. How late are we going to work tonight? You never know with Joe. Sometimes we're here till midnight. Sometimes she doesn't show up for three days. Why does she do that? Why does she just tell you what your schedule is? Yeah, that'd be awesome could get a girlfriend wouldn't have to go to Amsterdam seven times a year but uh, I'm young right I will date when I'm dead <laughs> do I really want to turn out like Gabe 26 single tied to my death no life no family I want to have been married by the time I would have turned 30 that's just depressing well Joe anything I can do for you Puddin? there is as a matter of fact it's getting sort of late 8.30 and it's St. Patrick's Day 
which is a world ethnic holiday, so I have decided I'm going to dismiss my employees. Hmm. I'm thrilled with the work they've done today, both the quality and the quantity. Great performance, very, very solid all the way around. All right, then. Okay, happy St. Patrick's Day. And also, I would like to say that I will be canceling my trip down to Tallahassee, although I do look forward to our professional relationship. Michael? Yes. I look forward to that, too. Now, was there, I mean, do you think that line was that set up that we were expecting that she was going to yell at him or go off on him or tell him he couldn't leave? I mean, was that what we were supposed to kind of imagine was going to happen there? Or that she would say, you know what, why don't you come down anyway? <laughs> or something like that. Nah, I suppose. Well, I mean, so there's the thing, of course, uh, what sets Michael off is that idea that, you know, I'm not going to turn out like Gabe. <laughs> of course, the irony is so thick you can cut it with a knife. Uh, uh-huh. Michael, the 40-some-year-old <laughs> single man with no family who his only job is his life, but still. Uh, the irony is lost. Michael at least uses that as incentive to spring the rest of the office from their jobs to a night on the town of boozing it up. And uh, this mm-hmm. last scene here, uh, you know, this is much more what you're kind of talking about, the cafe disco vibe. Unfortunately, it was only about 30 seconds or so. But uh, Michael redeems himself here, the hero of the hour. Did I mess up my career today by future prospect of Sabre? I don't know. There is a chance. Yes. I tell you, I love my job. But Joe wants me to put on a show for her and pretend to work late? Nah. I spent all day trying to make her like me, and I forgot to ask myself something. Do I even like her? As the Irish poet Bobby McFerrin says, don't worry, be happy. Okay. All right. Best night ever. What the hell's going on back there? Oh, man. So, of course, the visual. Should we explain the visual? Let's just say it's a good thing that you and I are separated by several thousand miles because the end of this episode could get really strange really quickly if we were drinking. Oh, yeah. You had to go there, Kevin. (laughs) As long as we can get uh, Meredith in the sandwich there somewhere, I'm all for that. Well... Like you know, in the middle. There's the ending. You know, like I said, Michael's a hero. I mean, when's the last time Oscar ever bought him a drink? Um, exactly. So, that was really surprising. So they're very happy. Everyone's glad. You know, he, he actually did the right thing and kind of saved his his crew. Of course, again, you know, the irony of the whole thing there with him saying, <laughs> you know, Joe expected me to pretend to work. <laughs> Uh, and I spent all day trying to get her to like me. You know, well, maybe if you'd have done something, you would have left earlier. But uh-huh. alas, Michael still, still will give him the win. So I kind of, you know, again, I like these episodes where Michael sort of, sort of gets a little something uh, over on the rest of everyone else. So congrats to him. I guess we'll see how that plays out in uh, in the next couple episodes. We don't have that many left before the end of the season. So. Uh, obviously, there's going to have to be some kind of big thing that happens here to end things off. Will it be Michael getting in trouble? 
I don't know. Will Holly return yet again? <laughs> Man, she's too she's too busy. She's all up in that uh, new fake born identity movie and stuff, isn't she? She's got yeah, stuff going on. Yeah, but they keep on. they keep mentioning her. They don't want to <laughs> let you forget. Well, that's true. Hopefully, hopefully we'll see her again. Well, let's go ahead and get into then the Jim and Dwight plotline. As we said, uh, both enjoyed it. Uh, very kind of classic. The Office sort of stuff here, again, with the return of the pranking of our mm-hmm. two favorite enemies. So let's go ahead and get this started. Jim, back from paternity leave. How long are we supposed to have, uh, I mean, how long is supposed to have passed here, Kevin? Uh, I think, what, what, he said like a week or two, maybe? Not that long. I don't even know if he mentioned it. If he did actually mention it, then I totally missed it. Uh, I think he said he gets like a week of paternity leave or something where his pants going to take off several weeks all right well so jim back in the office uh, a little bit of a shocking surprise though what do we got here mega desk of course command central mm-hmm. surveillance gaming and business okay okay what come on jim Tweedledee and Tweedledumass have been away on maternity leave <laughs> but now Tweedledumass is back and we have a problem yes Getting hooked on Megadesk was my own damn fault. But I don't care about assigning blame. All I care about is Megadesk. That is all I care about. Getting more Megadesk. Megadesk! (laughs) Dwight, of course, has converted the three desks in that little cluster into his own personal workspace of the future. And I guess, again... Kevin, if we're going to talk about Joe walking around and everything being kind of crazy, uh, to think that Dwight would be sitting there with a gaming rig on one of his desks, like playing some kind of first-person shooter game uh, in the right. office, that, that seems to stretch things a little far. But still, a pretty believable storyline of him taking over all this real estate uh, and, and does not want to give it up. Now, I was a little, I was a little shocked, actually, by the fact that... Uh, uh, you got kind of vulgar there in that thing. Tweedle dumbass. <laughs> the good, good little line, and then uh, you know it's my own damn fault. So that Dwight getting a little edgy. Yeah, I didn't really like that dumbass line because you know if maybe if Dwight hadn't just spent the last couple weeks rebuilding Jim and Pam's kitchen <laughs> uh, for you know out of the goodness of his heart for free, basically. I mean. That that was kind of annoying to me. I, I that was the part that didn't strike uh, a good note for me because it, as much as the gaming rig is not believable, the fact that he'd go to all that trouble and then called him a dumbass the next week was sort of annoying to me. But, well, but I guess we have to uh, analyze his motivations for that. I mean, did he do that for them or did he just do it because he's that kind of a guy? You know, he, he's got to fix things. Um, yeah, but. If you call someone a dumbass, are you going to spend all that effort to, to you know, fix their kitchen because there's mold? Hey, he or are you is, just going to say, or are you just going to look in there and say, mm, mold, dumbass? Yeah, well, he I guess he, he and his buddies, they were rocking out, you know, he's having a good old time, sleeping in Jim's comfy sheets. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But, uh, well, let's just, let's, uh, let, let's let that slide for this episode here, I guess. So, I mean, there's the setup. Dwight will do anything to keep... Megadesk and his big plan here, as we said, way better than any diabolical plan to guilt Jim into going home again, taking more leave or going on vacation or something. 
so that he can reclaim the desk, and he's going to hit Jim right where it hurts, in his paternal instinct. Must be amazing being a father, right? The miracle of life? It is, big time. Ah, that baby is just discovering the whole wide world right now. It's pretty amazing. What up is, what down is, who mom is, who dad is. Must be tough being here with all that going on. Oh, it's tough being here for a lot of reasons. I mean, <laughs> you're here at work, and the baby thinks that the refrigerator is its father. Is that what happened to you? I'll tell you what happened to me. I didn't see my father for the first two years of my life. I thought my mother was my father, and my wet nurse was my mother. And that's a common mistake. Turned out fine for me. Good Moe's. Oh, same story, different ending. <laughs> I don't know. I know you're not a huge fan of the wacky, shrewd family stuff a lot of times, but uh, I don't know. I thought that worked pretty well. It was kind of a funny little turn from... Uh, you know, Jim goofing around to Dwight just being deadly serious in this really kind of freaky, creepy way. Absolutely. Very good <laughs> stuff there. Oh, man. Very different. Very different ending. Uh, so, you know, that's the thing. He starts the whole thing off, you know, guilting him, guilting him over the, you know, being away from the kid. And he just keeps it going. And as we mentioned before, this is probably for me one of the highlights of the episode. And I'm actually pleased to be able to offer you printer cartridges and toner now. Oh, Jim. <laughs> yeah. Jim, sorry to bother you. What? My headphones are broken. Right. Can I listen to my music at a low volume? That's great. Great. Okay? Yeah. The cat uh-huh. in the cradle and the silver spoon. Little boy. When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know. We'll be together then. Yeah. We're gonna have a good time. Whether it's this time or the next time. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon. there from Jim. Um, yeah. I, I missed, I gotta say, I've, I missed the Andy and Dwight sing-alongs, you know, since uh, the good old days. A couple, <laughs> a couple of months way back there when we had them jamming in the break room. Uh, nice to see them back again. Well, the, the way they cut that scene in particular was really well done because you thought, alright, Dwight stops, Jim's finally over it, but he's still <laughs> flustered and everything else, and then there's that just half a little beat of silence, and then in comes Andy with his <laughs> bit to sort of kick it back up a notch. So, yeah, it was really well done. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Jim, at the, the Jim Croce will get you. No, who is that? Um, Harry Chapman. But I, <laughs> I do prefer the Ugly Kid Joe version from back in the day. Ah, uh, okay, man. Whatever happened to that band? Jeez. Um, all right. Well, uh, yes, we are old. So there's the thing. Then it's set up perfectly. Jim is actually feeling it. He doesn't know what to do he uh you know has to go home he's staying here too late and so he wants to get out of here and here is his revenge and as i said it's a very convoluted and and kind of weak revenge plan 
Dwight really kind of lays it into him about how he's going to go to a meeting and how he's going to get out of here and go to this bar and whatever and meet this client. Whether he's telling the truth or not, I don't know. You know, asking, oh, you want me to swing by your house and be a positive male role model to your child, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, so all that kind of stuff. And, uh, well, then Jim, as we said, gets his revenge. Got a little client meeting at Shani O'Ganigan's tonight. Uh, it shouldn't go all night long, so if you'd like me to, I could swing by your house so the baby can experience a strong male presence. Okay. Have fun working. Hi there, Joe. Sorry to interrupt. Um, this evening, I have... Hello? Hey, Joe. It's Jim Halpert. I actually scheduled a meeting at 7.30 with a very important client, and it's so weird because we never have meetings after 5 p.m., but I was hoping that maybe just this once it would be okay. Well, sure. You know, you go ahead and push some printers. You know I will. And by the way, seriously, we never, never do this. Okay. Okay. All right. Sorry, sugar. What do you want? Well, you see, I actually do have a meeting with a client. I'm going to just reschedule for next week. Thank you. See, I mean, like I said, that's just kind of a goofy revenge thing. And if Dwight actually does have a sales meeting with a client, I mean, why would he back down to say, hey, because I... He d- because he didn't have a sales meeting, that's why. Well, uh, well, I guess, <laughs> well, but he, he, I don't know, so, okay, so I guess that's the thing. And we're going to assume that he was just making that up and that was his fake story of to, course. Uh, to get off. I don't know. I, I Dwight doesn't seem the kind of guy that would lie about a client meeting. He, uh, you know, he says... he. He doesn't, he, say to to Jim. Work- he doesn't say, hey, I'm going to make up a story. He just says, hey, i got a client meeting, and I'm going to go. So I don't know. I kind of think he really does. It's kind of weird. He wanted, he wanted to rub it in on Jim. That's what I think. All right. Well, I guess there Jim gets his revenge, as I said. Kind of rude for Joe to answer the phone while Dwight's standing right there. But, uh, you know, that's just the way she was brought up, those southern manners. Uh, well, if the phone rings, you must answer it. <laughs> <laughs> and we got one more little capper left. As we said, we come back from commercial. Um, Dwight, you know, stymied, uh, comes back to see uh, things not quite what he expected. What the hell is this? Oh, this is not Mega Desk. No, not. They call it Quad Desk. That's ridiculous. This is made up of three desks. Oh, my God. We're going to have to rename it then, aren't we? Hello, Dwight Truth. And, of course, the big gag there is that uh, Jim has set up Dwight's computer in a little cranny, or a little, little <laughs> crawl space underneath the quad desk. So Dwight's down on his hands and knees answering the phone. I don't know, it was kind of a funny little visual. And, again, it sort of reminded me of... Uh, sort of a classic Jim and Dwight kind of pranking situation. Although uh, physically moving three desks and sitting there—that seemed, you know, that's a, a little much to get away with. <laughs> yeah, well, like a lot of his pranks, uh, in terms of like moving the desk into the bathroom or getting rid of the desk and building the paper mache version, I mean, you you got to think about if Jim was so, you know, bent out of shape about missing his kid, would he have spent all those hours? Uh, to set up this joke or not, you know. But <laughs> Zen moment, it was a funny bit. Good to see the old prankster Jim back. Well, just one more plot line left, and it uh, it's not very long. Only got two clips for it here. Um, Andy and Aaron, as we mentioned, they finally sort of 
hook up, I guess. I'll, you know, kisses him on the cheek, but uh, still, it's a start, and uh, Kevin can finally stop complaining, as I said, about this going so slowly. Um, <laughs> maybe next week we'll get a kiss on the lips, uh, and then maybe that, that'll be maybe the finale or something, so you'll have uh-huh. to just keep waiting. <laughs> And see. Well, so here's the thing, then. Of course, Andy and Aaron come in. They got their first date um, all set up from, from the last time that we talked. Although, again, how long has Jim been gone? Because the last episode seemed like they set it up. Uh, uh, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, but here they are. They're really excited about this. And, uh, you know, just playful banter here on St. Patrick's Day. Aaron, go brawl. <laughs> Thanks. It's actually my sister's old field hockey skirt. Aaron and I have our first date tonight, and it has to be perfect. Why? Because according to How I Met Your Mother, that's the date that your kids are going to wait patiently to hear about, and you better have a good story for them. (coughs) Hey, are you sick? Oh, no, I might. I just have a little indigestion. In your nose. Yes. I'm a little sick, but I don't want to miss my date with Andy. I'll get better. Whenever I'm sick, it goes away within a few hours, except once when I was in the hospital from age three to six. So as we said, poor Aaron. I don't even want to speculate, but uh, yeah, again, like I said, maybe that might uh, account for her less than stellar brain function. You know, that first date thing is actually, it's, it's funny as a joke, but you know what? When you have kids, it would be embarrassing to have certain first dates as your first date. <laughs> well, what do you mean? It's not like that, that's it's not like how that, I met your mother, Kevin. No, but <laughs> my point is, is that, telling the story. That story has been told, and if it's yeah, we got drunk and we hooked up, and you know, then we learned what our names were. I mean, that would not be <laughs> the great story to tell your kids. So, I can appreciate Andy's point of view on that. Well, I guess you're right. Uh, so here he is. They're both, you know, Aaron's trying to hide the sickness, kind of, you know, some good stuff there from Angela. She puts her little, you know, embroidered sickness mask <laughs> on over her face. Um, and, and there's a lot of stuff in there I don't have in the clip. You know, Aaron goes into the office uh, to give Joe a fax, and she just kind of flips out on her because the dogs are in a commercial uh, you know, with Dwight Howard, I'm sure that was a reference to Rain Wilson being in that TNT commercial with Dwight Howard. But, uh, you know, oh, you, you have to go home, go home, all this kind of stuff. So she's sent home. Um, Andy has this great line. You know, he's like, well, she's going to still like me in a week, right? <laughs> and then we see him in Joe's office faking being sick. Uh, uh-huh. Very brilliant, actually. So, you know, and they have that great shot of him just like strolling <laughs> into the car. <laughs> you know, he's full of pep in his little skirt. Yep. <laughs> uh, so great stuff there. So he drives, you know, he drives over to Aaron's house to surprise her. Um, and is in for kind of a creepy, this is what we said, kind of a creepy, weird experience because we find out that Aaron does indeed have a roommate. And, uh, you know, it's her brother. But, uh, you know, it's her foster brother, and they get kind of cozy and huggy and and flirty and touching each other and stuff. And so Andy, uh, quite confused and just uh, would like a little clarification. So how does the whole foster sibling thing work? Do you guys share one parent or...? None. We were in the same house from ages 10 to 12 and then from 15 to 18. All right. Formative years. <laughs> nice skirt. It's a kilt. 
<laughs> coming down out yeah. there. <laughs> Thank you for coming all the way here. No, no, I, no I'm place. sorry, I'm so sick. Oh, great. Now I'm going to get sick. <laughs> <laughs> so very cute. Uh, regardless of what kind of action they got, I thought that was very, a very nice scene and a funny little line there from Andy and a good laugh from the both of them. So very cute. I'm glad somebody gave Andy a hard time about his kilt, though. I'm not a big <laughs> fan of kilts, to be honest with you. Uh, Especially if you're not Scottish. <laughs> Well, Andy looks sort of like a, you know, a little Scottish lord or something. Could be a little tweed jacket and everything else. So, ah, mm. he looked the part. But, yeah, okay, I agree. Besides, it, it really was his sister's hockey skirt, as he said. So, But uh, the way they the way they set up that scene was pretty good. I mean, that brother was being very touchy-feely with her legs and thighs and everything else. And, yeah, there was some sexual tension going on there. So I, I, it was good. It was good. It was a little bit of an awkward situation. I, again, I think that what I was making reference with Cafe Disco is that there weren't a lot of jokes in this plot line, okay. uh, especially towards the end. But it was very satisfying and pleasant when they finally kissed. It was a really nice moment. Uh, no one was upset that they'd you know done some stupid thing. It was like nice. So yeah. Anyway. All right. Well, I'll point taken. Uh, so there we go. That's the whole episode. We had two deleted scenes out this week. Um, again, neither of them very great stuff. First one here, we have Oscar just sort of kind of explaining to Michael that Joe doesn't really like him as much as he thinks. And the second one, Michael kind of reacting to his rejection with a very long and sort of tedious, pathetic high school story. It's me. You're going to Tallahassee. I am. Joe oh. invited me to stay at her house. Wow. So I am booking early to make sure that I can get the middle seat. Twice as many people to talk to. I didn't know you guys were that close. You know, we just sort of hit it off. Mm -hmm. And she actually, she told me that I am funnier than a chimp in a bingo parlor. And she loved my tie. You know, Michael... Joe has a way of talking that's really friendly. I know. She's the best. Right. But maybe she doesn't always mean those nice things she says. How, how can you go through life like that? Oscar. Why, if it isn't the two most handsome men this side of the Mississippi. Thank you. I don't think that is just being nice. That's precise. Joe, would you care to join me for lunch? Oh, thank you, darling. But I got a lot of work to do in okay. here. Okay. I don't know how y'all stay so skinny. Oh, God. Uh. Uh. <laughs> oh, okay. Michael? Hey, how are you? Oh. <laughs> Is there anything I can help you with? Nope. I just want to talk to Joe. Well, uh, the strong sense that I got from Joe is that she wanted to see you in your office working for the rest of the day. Well, so. if it's all the same to you, I would like to get my own sense. I'm very sensual, so. Michael, I've known Joe a long time. You would be wise to not disturb her right now. Okay, I wouldn't be disturbing her. I wouldn't even ask her to get up. No. Michael? No. Okay. Okay. Okay, fine. Fine. All right. Okay. You know what? Okay. Here's the thing. Joe and I hit it off. We had a very nice report. She practically invited me to be her roommate. And then everything changed, and she backed off, and I don't know what happened. I would like to talk to her. Okay. 
show alone and everything will be fine. Don't do that again because... I wasn't going to do anything. Okay. I don't get it. Everybody always likes me. In high school, I was the equipment manager for the basketball team. And last game, senior year, they put me in for the last play. Unfortunately, the other team put in this very popular autistic kid for the last play. So they give him the ball. And I steal the ball away. And I drive down court. And I go up for a shot. And this kid blocks me from behind. And he takes a ball, drives the opposite way, swishes a three-point shot. Crowd goes crazy. Now there I am. The kid who helped the autistic kid have the moment of his life. How can you not like that guy? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, actually, the the clip doesn't make a whole lot of sense because there's a lot of visual humor that goes on there in that talk between Gabe and Michael. Um, Gabe is actually standing in front of the door to the conference room, blocking Michael right. from entering, and he keeps like following Michael. Michael tries to ju- you know juke and jive and get in there, and he keeps kind of moving around and, and blocking him. And so you know, oh, don't do that again. You know, I'm not going to do anything. Oh, stuff back and forth. So, you know, some funny physical business. But, again, I'm not uh, not too sad that we didn't get Michael's yet another sad, sad tale of his high school days. Yeah, we've seen enough of Oscar being the voice of reason, too, that if we miss this one, it's okay. Uh, any messages? Yeah, just a fact. Oh, damn it, this is from corporate. How many times have I told you that there's a special filing cabinet for things from corporate? Yeah. Oh, the waste paper basket. <laughs> <laughs> Why I didn't uh, want to get it? You put it in the garbage can that was a special filing cabinet. Yeah, uh, that was a joke. Uh, all right, a couple of things here, just as far as the show goes. Uh, you know, so we, I'm not sure when we're going to get to doing the delivery episode, but we did have a, a contest, Kevin, I believe, uh, for mm-hmm. baby names, and of course, no one guessed Cecilia Marie Halbert. Uh, we got quite a few people saying things like Michael or Michelle or some variation of of Michael or Dwight's name. Um, you actually have been handling this, so I have no idea what you've picked as the winner. But uh, we don't have time for it this week. We will announce the winner of the contest next episode. Is that right? Absolutely. And there were some really good entries, very, very clever entries. So uh, <laughs> we'll we'll announce that next week. All right. Well, let's uh, take a break here for a second. We don't have a lot of news, but um, you know, just if you do want to support the show, if you want to help to kind of promote these sorts of contests and and pay for these sorts of things, um, please consider helping the podcast. And there's a couple of ways you can do that. Um, you know, the, the easiest way and the best way for us is for you to sign up for a free Netflix trial. I know that at this point, you know, maybe everyone and their mother already has signed up for Netflix. If you haven't, um, you know, give this a try. You get two weeks for free. You can stream anything you want to stream. I mean, they keep adding more and more movies, more and more TV shows. And really, that is, to me, that's the key to the two-week trial. Because really, I mean, how many discs are you going to get in the mail in two weeks? You know, um, a couple at best if you watch them really, you know, immediately and mail them back immediately. Yep. But, you know, you, you have unlimited access to 
all the streaming stuff there, and that's a really great resource. Um, a lot of British comedies, you know, all the seasons of The Office, we talk about this all the time. Uh, John Krasinski's directorial debut film, brief interviews with hideous men, um, lots of other stuff on there to stream. And if you have a PlayStation 3 or you have an Xbox 360, you can stream that right to your TV. A lot of Blu-ray players, and some TVs actually themselves now will directly stream that. And hey, you're bored at work, Kevin? You have, you have a loose, uh, sort of a loose firewall filter there <laughs> up, up at work and you just want to figure out ways to spend time what better way to spend your time than unlimited streaming content access through your pc or macintosh computer i can't think of a better way to waste your day away yeah i'll have to think about the next time i have a telecommute day uh, <laughs> and you can uh, take advantage of this uh, offer by going to www.netflix.com slash twss uh, as Matt mentioned, a two-week free trial. Uh, plans start at as low as $4.99 per month, and uh, you can cancel at any time. And it's a really great service, so support the show by helping yourself to a great service from Netflix. Yeah, and I said it before, and I'll say it again. You know, sign up for it and quit the next day. I don't care. It doesn't matter. We get the money. It helps us out. It is a good service, though. We both enjoy it. So if you enjoy it, you know, go on with it. Now, if that won't work for you, one other way that you can help us out here is to make a purchase through our link on the website through Amazon. Uh, you know, it doesn't have to be office stuff. Anything that you buy going through there. You know, if you're going to buy that $2,000 HDTV, why not? Go through our link and kick us back a couple of percentage points on that stuff. Uh, it's very helpful. Like I said, it helps to give out those kind of... You know, we're going to give out the gift certificate to iTunes or Amazon to our first place winner. Um, so that's going to help pay for hosting and a bunch of other stuff that we have. So please, if you can, keep us in your hearts <laughs> this holiday season. Uh, All right. Go ahead. Well, let's get into some news then. Uh, this was a story I just saw recently here. Uh, Andy Bernard, you know, he went to a certain college, Cornell, maybe you heard of it. He's actually, if you go to the Cornell Law School's website at www.lawschool.cornell.edu, on the top of the page you have these little testimonials from different alumni, and if you keep clicking through, Andy Bernard is actually shown in there, which is, I think, pretty funny. Does it have a picture of Ed Helms? Yes, it is. It says it's Andy Bernard. Cornell, ever heard of it? I mean, it's just hilarious. So go check that out. All right. Um, you know, this is kind of old news, but we got a new webisode series last week uh, starring Angela Martin and Ellie Kemper called The Mentor. Now, Kevin, I, I hate to say this, but I still have not watched <laughs> the webisode series, so I got to get on that. But uh, how did you enjoy it? Well, it's a four-part series, and the first couple a little slow, but once you get into parts three and four, it really kicks into high gear and uh, very entertaining uh webisode series once again. All right, better or worse than Subtle Sexuality? Better than Subtle Sexuality. I mean, it's four episodes instead of, what, two and a half or whatever it is for that one. That was kind of abbreviated. It was mostly the video anyway. So this one is back to the little bit of a longer form, like with the blackmail and whatnot. All right, sounds good. One of these days, Kevin. All right, and The Office has officially been renewed for season seven. It's no surprise. It's still one of NBC's highest-rated shows, especially in the all-important uh, demographic categories. 
So we can look forward to The Office next season. We'll see if there's a podcast next season, but in any case, The Office will be on. <laughs> if you can't get enough of our brilliant insights, you can follow Matt and me on Twitter, twitter.com slash summermatt, or twitter.com slash Crossman. These are the personal accounts, so you get all the gory details of Matt's moods. If you want all the show details, you can go to twitter.com slash podcast, and that is the official feed. And, of course, you can go to NBC.com slash The Office to see the feeds of all the other Office-related people um, and get driven crazy by Rain Wilson's incessant Twitter postings. Um, uh, Okay, so that's about it for the news. Not a whole lot of stuff going on this week. Next episode coming up this week, March 18th, New Leads. I'm sensing a Glen Gary, Glen Ross sort of thing going on here, Kevin. When the sales mm-hmm. staff lets Sabre's new sales is king policy get to their heads, Michael hides their new prized leads. So, man, you know what they say. A, B, C. Kevin, always be closing. Yeah. Now, do you think Dwight is going to be on Michael's side or on Jim's side? I well, am going to predict that he will fall in with dumbass. <laughs> well, Dwight's a salesman at heart, so he is going to want those leads. So I, uh, it's going to be crazy, I guess. We'll see what happens. There are certain things a boss does not share with his employees. His salary, his bed, and I am not going to tell them that I'll be reading their emails. i got to erase a lot of stuff. Just so you know, if you have any sensitive emails, I need to be deleted immediately. All right, a couple uh, pieces of feedback here on That's What She Said, episode 88, our combined Sabre manager and salesman episode. Carmen said, I agree with Kevin about the manager and the salesman. It was a great episode, and it's wonderful to see Jim's character brought full circle and back to prankster Jim. Personally, I feel that the dynamic between Jim and Dwight is one of the building blocks of the show, and its noticeable absence the last couple seasons has showed. Plus, Jim was kind of a douche in a management role. So, <laughs> uh, Kevin, you f- famously said that you thought that was one of the top three best episodes ever. Are you still holding by that? Absolutely. Uh, you're insane. All right, well, Dave in Louisville wrote, have you, I have to agree with Kevin that Manager and Salesman was one of their best. I really believe that having such a great character actress like Kathy Bates will bring some fun to the show. I can't wait for Michael to take his first business trip to Florida headquarters in Jacksonville. Well, Tallahassee, actually. I don't know that he's going to be making those trips now. <laughs> I think the writers did a good job of giving the audience a reason for Jim to stay as a salesman now, as it was just too awkward each week to watch Jim play manager and Michael still acting up without Jim being able to do much about it. Let's face it, part of the fun of watching the show is seeing Jim torture Dwight, and he is free to do that again. Man, Absolutely. I'm, I, I'm sensing a trend here. Two episodes in a row, I agree with Kevin. I wonder who picked these comments. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Jack Landsman had this to say. Um, I'm a huge fan of the podcast and everything, but you guys should definitely be more circumspect about discussing spoilers revering into spoilery territory or how about not doing it at all in the water cooler segment 
seriously, I'm a guy who doesn't even like to read the perfunctory pre-show descriptions, and I was so annoyed by the spoilery convo, I turned the podcast off about halfway through. Well, we did kind of talk about a few of the upcoming things, although I did say, I mean, we always say that we are going to be talking spoilers, don't we? Yeah, it, it is true. It was pretty shocking when Pam had the baby. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I, to be fair, I don't like spoilers, and I don't look at spoilers, and I don't go on any of the message boards, and I don't look at Office Tally because I just really don't want to know what's going to happen. So I, I, I can feel where you're coming from, Jack. I guess the only thing I can say is, you know, we we give we try to give warning that we're going to talk about stuff that might be considered spoilers. So, you know, fast forward uh, ahead, and, and hopefully your experience will not be ruined. All right, let's get into some comments on St. Patrick's Day then. Uh, I can't even say this. Jam Helpsley <laughs> tweeted to the TWSS podcast account, I liked it. I was super surprised and excited to see Todd Packer, who has two thumbs and thinks that Pac-Man is hilarious. Well, apparently this guy. That guy. They get the 140 <laughs> characters. <laughs> weren't enough to finish the statement, but we know where you're going there, Jam Halpsley. Yep, and I think the the pranks, everyone is uh, really getting excited. We heard some earlier comments here. Starry Dreamer 01 tweeted to us, Best scenes? Mega Desk and Quad Desk. Arguably the best prank in recent memory. You know why? Because there haven't been <laughs> many pranks in recent memory, but... <laughs> yeah, we're measuring that up against dipping the tie in the coffee cup. I think that's about the last prank that we've seen. Uh, so yeah, yep. you're right. Good... Funny stuff did remind me of old season two, season three classic stuff. Well, Chris Lamberth tweeted, uh, solid episode. I like the fact that Jim was being affected by Dwight's tricks in the beginning. Nice to see him sweat a little. Yeah, and not sweat for sort of job reasons, but for personal reasons, too. That's a kind of a sense we, have, we don't always get for Jim. So, all right, where our friend Kaiser Sojay wrote, Pac-Man is back. Gay Matt is back. Hey, we didn't talk about Gay Matt. <laughs> um, Aaron kisses Nard Dog. Okay, on the cheeks. Jim pranks Dwight, and there's booze for everybody. Fantastic episode. In fact, it was so good that it made me a believer that The Office and all the other types of media related to it, including documentaries, doctoral theses, congressional reports, reality shows, religious services, blogs, and especially podcasts, should and must have a long life. Matt, as a follower of the podcast and show number one, I'd be extremely sad if you decided to call it quits, even worse than when they consoled Melrose Place or Beverly Hills 90210. Well, I appreciate Ouch. that. Um, a couple, of, you know, I, I kind of posted that on there, and I wasn't really looking for sympathy, but I got a, a lot of nice emails and comments from people um, worrying about what I was doing or how I was feeling or if something was happening with me or, or whatever the case is. Now, obviously, I guess we're back here we'll see how long we can keep this up um you know we don't have that many episodes left so i I think that we can last out the season and you know as you said kevin as far as season seven goes um i don't know we'll see we'll see how that plays out but uh you know the, the the thing is i have a really fun time when we talk about things and discuss things it's just the prep work and the editing and everything that really takes a lot of time uh and that's not fun none of that is fun <laughs> So, like well, I said, we'll see. Well, speaking of fun, uh, we should we should make mention that uh, we were people were asking about what happened to Matt, the warehouse employee, Oscar's friend, 
Well, we got to see him this week, and looked like he was having a good old time with Oscar. Yeah, I I I missed that part actually. I didn't see him in the bar. I I forgot. The only part I saw him in was the little meeting when the three guys come up to Daryl's office and uh, and kind right. of hassle him. So you know, I was gonna say he had nothing to do with the episode, but uh, I must have missed that. I'm sorry to say. He was in the crowd getting right. loaded. Well, Brandon had this to say, uh, a little contrarian view. They dusted off Todd Packer for this? What a terrible episode. I've had more fun watching paint dry. And what's up with that cold clothes? That's a new one. And may I say, completely moronic and unfunny. And what's up with the pseudo-incestuous Aaron angle? Good lord! This was the pink-chested belly flop of Office episodes. For shame! <laughs> Sorry, hey, Brad. Matt. I had to give that a little a little gravitas there. How, how much do I have to pay you to do the whole podcast in that voice? <laughs> oh, Kevin. <laughs> I'll do All that right. for free. And finally, Mary Louise wrote, So it wasn't all bad. I like that they kept the baby in the storyline without showing the baby at all. I love that Dwight and Angela contract stuff. Very funny. Glad Joe is leaving, and we won't have to have the dumb dogs and her around the office. However, not a fan of the quad desk. Too unbelievable. It would take too much time, effort, and personal risk to sit like that, especially if you wanted to spend time at home with your new baby. Pranks like replacing all of Dwight's pens with crayons were much funnier. Oh, Matt, you stole this from that blog post. Erin is weird in an endearing way, but the writers are pushing it too far. She's not a quirky person, but a cartoon now. Well, I actually I didn't think she was that cartoonish in this episode. I mean, the the not knowing Snoopy thing was way, way more ridiculous than this. Um, yeah, I mean, you said that before about that if Jim's so desperate to be home with his baby, what the hell is he doing putting desks on top of each other? I guess maybe he was mm-hmm. doing that on company time. So, uh, but, th- but then he, no, he was sitting there when Dwight came in, so he must have got there early. Ah, yeah. I don't know what to say. We did see the baby a little cute green clad picture but uh, that was about it yep well that's about going to do it for us for this week join us in a week or so for episode 91 talking about new leads Uh, please send any comments or constructive compliments to twsspodcast at gmail.com and visit the show blog page at twsspodcast.com uh, if you have a chance, leave positive feedback on iTunes and spread the word in the various Day Office-related forums. Every little bit helps. Also, don't forget every Thursday to join Kevin and myself in the That's What She Said chat room. Um, I'm in there during the airing of the episode on the East Coast and Central Times. Kevin has the Pacific Time. Uh, you know, we usually have a good little group of people in there, so if you'd like to stop in and chat and see what Thursday Matt and Kevin have to think about that particular episode, you can be the first on your block to have such information. Music for this episode <laughs> was provided by the Music Alley from Mavio. Check it out at musicalley.com. And remember, head on over to nbc.com slash the office during the week for additional deleted scenes, interviews, episode recaps, cast blogs, and more. And for Kevin Crossman, I am Matt Summer, and we are out of here.
sure, Kevin, that was the finest podcast on the Emerald Isle.